0: Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast Podcast brought to you by TheLions.com coming to you from the West Coast. Josh Lander joined by my man Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. and We've got an 11 game slate to end this work week for you guys tonight in the NBA after just one measly game on Thursday night. That was pretty fun. A total of like 276 points or whatever. Uh, but we are happy to have a few more options for you tonight. In this one, we're bringing you the Pelis, looking to take advantage of the woeful Sant- San Antonio Spurs in Texas tonight. Also have another game video up and our player props as well. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We're coming at you guys each and every weekday of this regular season. Also want you to head to the lines.com we've got our great written content up there for you guys Nate puts all the game uh game picks and our player props up there uh, as well as we have our odds finder tool that you can go ahead and use to make sure you're getting the best juice back across U.S. sports books on all these NBA bets you're making this season Nate let's go ahead and get into this 11 game slate and then talk Pellies and Spurs yeah
1: tons to choose from tonight but yeah you mentioned it that Spurs have been as reliable as uh rain there in terms of losing. So that's the game we're talking about here is Wizards minus three at Hornets, kicks it off. Magic plus 10 at Cavs. The other game we break down, Lakers are plus eight and a half at the Bucks with a 230 total. Heat plus seven and a half at the Celtics, uh, totals 226. Celtics are lighting up the world. So I think that over is in play, even if Jimmy Butler is back. Nuggets minus two and a half at the Hawks. The Raptors plus one and a half at the Nets. Uh, sixers plus five at Memphis Pacers plus five at jazz with Halliburton questionable Rockets plus 12 at Suns and then the Bulls plus seven and a half at the Warriors 237 total there I expect Steph to have a nice night and then the game we talk about Pelicans are minus seven at the Spurs total of 232 I feel like we just did this and we got it absolutely right um, the night before Thanksgiving. Pelicans were at Spurs. Uh, they were favored by seven and they won by 19. And it was like the 80 it was like the 10th straight game that the Spurs have been down by 20 at least at, at some point. Uh, since they beat the extremely shorthanded Bucks. they have not even been remotely competitive. Uh, they've lost 14 of the last 15 with a negative 15 net rating in that spam. And uh, the Pelicans are. are Real good, man. They they haven't had everybody all together, it feels like, for any game. And they're going to be without Ingram and Herb Jones here, it looks like. But C.J. McCollum's back. They won by 19 without C.J. in that last meeting. They shot 57% from the floor and 43% from deep, which is real notable because without C.J., Well, their offense went in the tank in the next game against Memphis, which is a legit NBA team. The Spurs are not. They have a 121 defensive rating in their last seven here. We talked about some of the numbers they gave up to the Lakers there in the home and home. They haven't covered in seven straight games, uh, despite these spreads being pretty big most of the time. and you, when you have zion in there for for the pelicans looking good it's just like when it rains it pours right i it was a one point spread when they hosted the raptors two nights ago and they were up by 30 all of a sudden and it's just like wow the raptors are not the type of team to just have no right. defense to, to, to call somebody unstoppable and just be, on a, and you know, suddenly be yeah. getting crushed. But that's what a Zion led team can do. And everybody's playing off him, shooting like 80% from the floor in his last two games here since that loss in Memphis. And that's why the Pels are shooting so well as a team. Uh, and from the perimeter, you have 42% from deep against Toronto. And the Spurs, 30th in just about everything defensively. They're going to be getting whatever they want. Uh, no Jakob Pearl as well right tonight. So that's going to be even more easy money for Zion down low. As far as totals, I think all you want to do, again, is take the Pelicans team total. You do not want to trust the Spurs to come along. Because they're just they're they're tanking better than anyone else in the league, and that's why they're thirtieth in our power rankings, but number one in our tankathon meter. And and good good for you, Pop. Um, hope you get to coach Wendy next year.
0: <laughs> if he's still coaching, it's only because he's got Wemby next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, like this this team is still kind of underrated somehow. Uh, this Pelicans team, it's because they haven't had everybody playing together uh, all season long, right? I think there's been three games now that CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson have all played together. And it was three of the first four games of the season. Um, and since then, they have not all been in at the same time. Um, it sucks. And it, it's annoying, but it's like because we just really want to watch greatness like every night. And when when it's like having Zion... Uh, attached to two guys like you know CJ and, and and Brandon Ingram who can both play from pretty much any spot on the floor and this dude loves to come barreling in like I, it's set up perfectly right uh, the, the three point shooting could probably be a little bit better for them um, especially because CJ's been bad uh, this season from from deep which you actually expect to improve at this point um, but you know he, he's back tonight which is great so you finally have him and Zion on the floor together um, so far this season fourth highest net rating fifth best win percentage um, so right there it's like it's very surprising to actually to see that um, when you when you look at the standards because it seems like we're not talking about them very much um, their defense has gotten so much better and in some some really crucial ways for them uh they're limiting teams to the third best opponent three point percentages we talked about uh seventh in limiting free throw attempts fifth in limiting rebounds and sixth in limiting uh i'm sorry uh sixth in and limiting free, mo- free throw attempts this season um seventh in terms of makes but um either way like their their defense has come along this season in a way that i mean look i don't know i still don't know if it means anything or not but their defensive rating is way better with zion on the floor now uh in, in a pretty decent sample size of the amount of games that he's played uh so far this season right like he they're are i believe uh three and two. No, I'm sorry. Three and three without him. uh, Right. And then they're about uh, 10 and five with him. Um, The defensive rating being seven points better with him on the floor still or excuse me. Well, it's not six points better, but it's still like that. That's a little surprising because they were worse without him last season or they were better without him last season when he was uh, on on defense. They were better when he was not on the floor this season. It's the opposite case. So um, everything that they're doing on offense as well. I mean, it's it doesn't need as much uh, publicity in terms of the offense because it's what we expect from them. Uh, Fifth in points in the paint. Fourth points per game so far their assists uh actually have the third most assist per game uh in the league or at least assist percentage as well um so they're, they're sharing the ball they're getting points in the paint uh and their three-point percentage is at least uh good and on the road it's actually a bunch better uh fourth and three-point percentage they do score four more uh on the road than they do at home as well actually Zion's played in a few more um uh, away games and he has home games as well, so there's some cor- d- direct correlation uh, right there. And uh, yeah, I mean the free throw attempts are huge—like five more when uh, Zion's in there, four more on the road—and um, and that's huge against a team like the Spurs, who, like you said, even when Pirtle is in there, their are a turnstile. Uh, I thought they would start getting better uh, around the rim with him, um, you know, being in there and maybe progressing back to his mean in terms of being able to keep people. Like right now, teams are shooting 66% in the paint on Jake on. Jacob, whatever Jakob Pertle when he's in there, um, that's good for the worst uh, of all centers in the league right now, right? Sixty-six percent in the paint. Um, when when you're going up against Purtle, he's not even in there now. So like, I, I would probably feel um just as good. It's not like they're going to be better without him in there now that um you know he, he's off the floor down low at this point. Josh Richardson's also out. Jeremy Sohan's out. Um, so I'm not really sure who's going to guard down low. Uh, I believe Romeo Langford is also questionable. Like. They're, they're tanking beautifully. They're doing a wonderful job. Um, they're actually still not really interrupting Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell's uh, growth. It seems like they're still getting theirs and, and are, know that they're, they're going to have some pretty solid NBA careers. In the meantime, uh, they're just looking for that, Vic, that Victor Banyama pick. Uh, I finally got it right. So I'll continue to fade them seven points on the road or at home against one of the, let's say, top six teams in the NBA right now in the Pellies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too easy right now.
1: Yeah, at least top six, like, night-to-night effort. We don't know about the Pelicans in the playoffs necessarily yet, but they're a team to back in the regular season because their defense is fierce right now. I mean, and their depth is really impressive. They have a lot of, like, discarded guys like Garrett Temple, Willie Hernan Gomez that could really help other teams, uh, and they're barely cracking the rotation for the Pels. But when they have Ingram or or Herb Jones out – those guys can step in, and yeah. that second unit can pull away against the Spurs' second unit that is just G League players. Yeah. Uh, and Keldon Johnson, I mean, he might do a little bit better here tonight. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up after getting five points on two-for-nine shooting yeah. in 16 minutes the last time these teams met. And in his last six, he's shooting 27% from the floor and 82 offensive rating. So, I, I mean, maybe his – His development is getting ruined by being the number one option to a degree. I don't know if he's going to lose confidence at some point. Uh, But in any case, this is a tough matchup for him. Devin Vassell has played well against the Pelicans. um, So maybe you want to look at his props. And we're going to look at fading Johnson again, even without Herb Jones. Because Trey Murphy... uh, I mean, just playing really well alongside Zion on both ends of the floor. Larry Nance off the bench. Like, I just I love the Pels. Willie Green, early coach of the year candidate. And I don't think they're going to take nights off here. I think they're going to they're going to pounce on the Spurs
0: and get another easy win, just like they did a couple weeks ago. Love, love Willie Green. Uh, uh, the staff underneath Steve Kerr and company continues to flourish. Uh, shout out Mike Brown as well. Light the beam. Uh, yeah, this this is an easy one right now, man. Um, for 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 us, uh, as we said, I, I would expect this line to be closer to ten. I'm not really sure why it's not. There's so many guys out for the Spurs tonight. Um, like I said, Josh Richardson, also Dougie McDermott, not out. I'm not really sure where they're going to score at all. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to stop. I mean, stop like Zion and, and Joe Val are about to eat tonight. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it's going to be basically like they just are, are, are playing um, a, against a team that's just going to allow them to just pounce down the lane. I, I'm pretty much looking forward to all the Zion dunks tonight. Uh, so, yeah, Pellies tonight, maybe some points, Pellies points, um, but definitely Pellies to, to pull this out by at least seven. So. All right,
1: Lakers, Bucks, and um, Chris Middleton might be back tonight for the first time this season. Um, so maybe that gives the the Bucks some actual some extra juice on the line. But I don't think that that's necessarily a positive in terms of continuity. I mean, he hasn't played since the first round of the playoffs last year. It, it might take a little bit of time to to reintegrate him into the offense, which hasn't been great in, in general um, this season. Much better at home, though. Uh, and Middleton has actually kind of sucked against the Lakers his last six in the regular season, shooting 39% from the floor, getting 17 points per game. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm already, you know, regardless of that news, I'm on the Lakers to cover here. And maybe if you're plus 300 or better to take a small wager out on them winning this game. Uh, I, I just, wow. I'm not sold on the bucks being the powerhouse that their numbers indicate at this point. Uh, I mean, their defense has been incredible. I don't know how much of that is the level of competition, uh, but more it's to me, it's about the Lakers getting off the schneid, uh, getting both their superstars back and relatively healthy uh, and figuring out some some lineup combinations that actually work, which right now is LeBron, AD, and your boy Austin Reeves, uh, the lady killer, who's now in the starting lineup. Uh, and those guys combined for plus 26 in a bounce back win after they blew the big lead. The last time Reeves started against the Spurs, he was excellent. 21 points in 27 minutes. He had a 166 offensive rating last game. Um, I mean, he's, he's shooting like 60% from three in his last six here. And... Since getting LeBron back, the Lakers go from 33% from deep to 41% as a team. Obviously, the, the shot quality going way up there. AD continuing to do what he does uh, when he's at his full powers here, which is score down low. And <clears throat> yeah, his prop only 23 and a half points because I guess we're giving, you know, Brooke Lopez, Giannis lots of credit in their terms to be able to limit AD. Well, how about his ability to, to limit that? Because um, he has the number one defensive rating in the NBA now. In his last eight, it's a 97 defensive rating. Like I said in our awards video yesterday, plus 2,200 for the man to win defense player of the year. If he can stay healthy, that's a big if. But that's why you're getting plus 2,200. Not a bad bet. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So, I mean, I just think with both those guys, you look at the last time they were both active to face the Bucks. I mean, Giannis went absolutely nuclear and the Lakers lost in February. That was when they are in the throes of their can't get anything right, uh, hate each other, whatever. Giannis went posted a 181 offensive rating, 17 for 20 from the floor, which by himself basically broke a streak of six straight unders when these teams meet. Because these teams are both so interior oriented and so good at defending the interior, I kind of lean under here at 230. Um, even though the Bucks score 10 more points per game at home, their defense also a little better. Um, but I just think the Lakers can hang. I think that this game will mean a lot to them as it has, you know, f- for both teams every time they met, because it's, it's really the alpha alpha matchup, right? When, whenever Giannis and LeBron are both playing, uh, it, it's both those guys are geared up and their teammates are as well, and I, I mean, AD is playing like an alpha as well right now, so I just think the Lakers can hang within nine points. You look at the prior to that February meeting, they actually beat Milwaukee both times they had both LeBron and AD active. Um, I mean, that was January 21 and March 2020 when they were like the best team in the league. I mean, obviously went on to win the championship, but. Look, they've they won six of eight. They're looking pretty good. Um, I, I think they can at least be competitive in this one. After the Bucks, you know, scraped by against the Knicks. Uh I'm not I just don't think that they're the powerhouse that you can expect to cover by nine. Look, they didn't really do that last year. Anytime you saw a big spread of the Bucks, it was going the other way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They didn't cover quite the same last year. That <clears throat> I don't know how much you buy into the the Lakers road stats this year, though, because they're pretty bad away from staples crypto ft whatever the hell arena it is these days i don't know if crypto's crypto still working but uh two one in six against the spread at home minus 11 margin of victory uh failing to cover by about five points on that spread at home this season um it, it continues into the idea of them not playing offense at all um this season in general but on the road um, 110 points a game versus 115 at home Giving up the 118 points a game versus 112 at home, so it's obviously not very good. Two and six straight up on the road this season. Um, I, I think there's a little bit to be concerned about with the way that they're um, un, unable to just really score the ball uh, on the road. They're not even getting as many shots up, despite playing at a pretty fast pace. They have been a little bit slower over this la- these last three games where they've won two of three. But I'm also a little bit hesitant to, to ride any of the uh, of the the wave of a six out of winning six out of eight when those wins come against the Spurs uh thrice <laughs> three wins against the spurs a win against the pistons uh went against the nets who were playing on a back-to-back on the road um you know losing to the pacers by one after being up by 11 but you know even in that pacers game that was an indication of a team that sort of turned things around a bit right like they were leading that game by double digits in the third quarter at one point um and and gave that whole thing up um so you know they th- it's there in the for them yeah <laughs> yeah, it's the fourth. Yeah, and it's and it's th- so it's there for them. Um and, th- and the Bucks haven't been great in the fourth quarter either. Um the Bucks have just been sort of rolling along and as a blue collar team, um more so than they've ever been, right? And it's and we've talked already uh, a lot of us including this podcast about Brolo being the defensive player of the year and maybe um Giannis should be should, hopefully Giannis bought him a, a few nice presents when he won his defensive players of the year awards. Um since that was clearly the result as he's admitted this season of Brolo being back in the lineup and that defensive rating plummeting as a result and all of the interior stats plummeting as a result, um, their ability to get a few more second-chance points and limit opponents' second-chance points, which was also a problem last season when, when Giannis wasn't gobbling up 15 rebounds a game. If he didn't get 15 boards, they were going to have trouble rebounding in a lot of those games. So, um, yeah, I, you know, for, for this one, like, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to to feel confident in the Lakers just yet, mostly just because of those road woes and the differences that we're seeing in those splits that are pretty stark. Um, I, I believe in, in the Bucks and I believe in them um, – sort of playing, uh, you know, staving off uh, the, the competition while they wait for Chris Middleton get, to get back. They've done better than just stay alive and afloat, obviously, being a top three team in the East right now. So I, I think that if Middleton is back tonight, that would be the reason for what you're saying here um, and, and why you believe in the in the, uh, the, the Bucks' ability, uh, or excuse me, the Lakers' ability to, to sort of take advantage of the fact that we don't know what that offense is going to look like when Chris Middleton comes back into it. Well, if he does come back, I can't imagine him playing more than like 20 to 25 minutes, if not... For, for, simply for the sake of conditioning. Um, but, you know, when it, it, it's not worth it to me to bring up these stats of with Chris Middleton, without Chris Middleton just yet. I think we need to, it's similar to how Clay came back last season. We need to see what that looks like first. Give him at least like a month to get back into the groove before we start saying that this team is going to start clicking a bit more on offense and increase, um, you know, not necessarily increase their three-point attempts, um, but maybe some of the percentages and efficiencies that they've been lacking this season because they don't have uh, their, one of their key, you know, um, playmakers as well as a guy who, who puts up shots at the end of the shot clock um, and in clutch time, which is where they've been struggling a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I I mean I definitely hear you about the road woes. I'm really trying to look at this as a snapshot, though, not as the Lakers over the course of the entire season, because obviously you wouldn't trust them, as you would like to say, you wouldn't bet on them with my money uh for over that that entire sample yeah. size. But you look, I mean, they were 30th in offensive efficiency on the road. Uh, until recently, right. When they, they get these lineup combinations and they get LeBron James back their fifth overall with two of those games coming. Yes. At San Antonio, but on the road. Um, so I mean, they, they're, they're hitting from outside because they have Austin Reeves out there. Dennis Schroeder has been a better fit. He's questionable tonight with, uh, some personal issues. Lonnie Walker also questionable. Troy Brown also questionable, but Look, I want more Austin Reeves on the floor. I need more Cowbell. I want more Thomas Bryant off the bench, playing center, shifting AD down to that four role where he doesn't doesn't have to deal with Brooke Lopez as much. Um, And in these last three, look, the the Lakers offense, take what you will, grain of salt with the competition. But 129 points per game with a 125 rating. Uh, You look at Milwaukee Faster at home, more paint points, and again, 10 more p- points per game. They were 24 and 13 to the over since the start of last season and against Western Conference teams. So there's a lot of conflicting stats. I mean, they also went over in five straight before that under at the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But the 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 history of, of games when these teams play each other is kind of strength meets strength down low. Both are top three in limiting free throws. I do think it's kind of a vulnerable total to go under because of that. Uh, and so if you're looking at Lakers plus nine, what about Lakers plus 13 under 234? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, those are those are some big numbers for you to try to okay. squeeze under there. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I mean, maybe you think there's there's some some uh, game theory here to take an over with the parlay with the, with the Lakers or vi- or mm-hmm. take the under with the Bucks. To uh just get the money line here, um you know what's the path to victory for each team
0: yeah i mean for for me, the game theory is if if the Lakers win it's actually got to be a little bit i mean it doesn't really matter to be honest. <laughs> The pace to me for these teams is so similar. They play similarly in that sense. Um, I mean, the Lakers play a little bit faster, but over these last three, where the Bucks have won all three, uh, and the Lakers are playing a little bit better, getting their their, their players back in rotation finally. Um, you know, they're both playing a little bit slower than they have um, as well. I think you see that the, with AD as a little bit more of a focal point, and LeBron back in. Um, you know, and actually Westbrook missing a game or two that's actually slowed down their pace, um, which has allowed them to be a bit more efficient uh, on offense as well, and then also much better um, on, well, not much better, but better on defense where they were already pretty good as well. Again, competition notwithstanding. So um, all that's all that's to say, like tonight, I, I actually see an under as well. I think uh, it is a little bit inflated um, because of the fact that the Lakers have been playing so fast this season, but I think the Bucks are super fine playing slower. You look at the, the Bucks on the road uh, and they're going, or excuse me, the Lakers on the road are going under a bit more because that offense is so anemic. Um, and then the Bucks, as you said, they play a little faster at home, though. So like there is the opportunity for them. Uh, they've gone over a bit more at at home so far this season so um it is conflicting but i think the game theory to your point is um a little bit more down low like the lakers don't have the three-point shooting to hang with the bucks i think they need to keep this game inside the arc a little bit more as best they can um and maybe you know obviously brolo is is, is a problem down there but i think they've got the bodies to hang and we'll see this be a little bit more of a banger uh than a run and gun style affair so
1: you're listening to the lines.com
0: podcast network
1: Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust.
0: to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA play prop for tonight.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of torn here in the what I want to take a wizard against the Hornets, who might be fully embracing the tank here with LaMelo sitting. They gave up 140 to the Celtics, who were missing uh, Jalen Brown in that game. I, I mean, the Celtics put 140 on everybody, but... Uh, I mean, they're 25th in, in pain points allowed. They're offensively 30th in shooting efficiency. So they're giving up the third most defensive rebounds. So wanted to take the Zinger, who's been real hot in his last three. But for whatever reason, Mason Plumley, I guess, and company did a pretty good job on him in their last meeting. And Kuz picked up the slack with 28, 10 and five. Kyle Kuzma. You know, in his last five, he's been dealing with a back injury and has been kind of questionable to play. But that back never hurts when you're on offense. Right. Twenty seven and a half points, seven, seven rebounds, four and a half assists as well, causing some people to, you know, say that the Wizards have a budding big three here in Kuz, KP and Brad Beal. I mean, what do you call it? A medium sized three. uh, Vente sized. So in any case, they can they can put some numbers up on this Hornets team that I don't think is as good as even some of the defensive rating metrics would indicate that there and Kuzma's his props point is his points is 21 and a half. Uh, I have no problem with that. I think you can combine the rebounds for 30 and a half. Odds stay the same here because I think the Hornets offense is going to be so bad without LaMelo, Gordon Harryward, or Dennis Smith Jr. as well. Um, and, and Kuzma has been doing such a good job rebounding since he joined this team. He has a 23% defensive rebounding rate, which is way up from where he was at with the Lakers. Um, in, in, you know, the early part of his career, he's really become more of a well-rounded player. So if you want all, the whole PRA, I like that as well. Cause like I said, he's been diving up and, and the Hornets are just kind of a sieve everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, civ is the right word. It's anywhere you want they're just leaking uh leaking defense, leaking confidence, leaking paint paint points to the to their opponent uh and rebounds So yeah, Kuz uh Kyle Shaquille O'Neal Kuzma uh best rebounding forward in the league right now. I don't know how you argue that. And I mean true small forward if you will. He's playing a lot of power forward as well. I mean Every time we talk about Kuzma, I'm just going to bring up how much he would be helping the Lakers right now, but let's move on to the Lakers, and a guy I'm going to take again, Anthony Davis. This worked out last time. It was a point higher, 24-and-a-half when we took him against the Blazers. Obviously, the Blazers are not uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks on defense, especially down low, but the Portland Trailblazers are also pretty good at defense this season, by the way. Uh, Pretty much a top-12-ish defense in the league after being pretty much the worst or bottom three last season, Um, so that was also pretty impressive, and and it actually took a lot of effort for him. The, The thing I like about him is he's shooting down low right now. He's not putting, he's not pulling those threes anymore. He kind of realizes that like, this is where he's going to be able to score from is, is, is barreling into the lane and being, you know, using some finesse, but, um, it's, it seems like this is too low, right? Like it's, it's 23 and a half points for a guy that's been putting up 30 uh, points a game in his last eight. Right. And, and he, he's put up 30 at least in like seven of those eight games, 35 in like three or four of those eight games as well. So 16 boards a game in those last eight as well, three blocks for the man who's definitely making his case uh, for defensive player of the year. If he can stay on the floor this whole season with that 97.1 individual defensive rating. So he's going to be on the floor for the 30, 32 minutes that he's been playing 35 while LeBron was out as well, by the way. So like good on AD for like getting those minutes and and sort of putting the people to, to sleep or at least making some people shut up online who call him soft all the time. Um, and like I said, shooting 60% from the field in those, during those last eight, all of those points in the paint, uh, I believe he has like 0.8 three-point attempts <laughs> over those eight games, uh, meaning he's probably shot like two threes over the course of those last eight, uh, which makes you feel really, really good about the fact that he's getting all those points in the paint um, because his his field goal percentage in the paint as well is about 70 Two percent right now uh, on cleaning the glass. Last five versus the Bucks as well, uh, and I know we talk about um, you know the Bucks being as good as they are on defense and, and Brolo being back, but his last five against them, twenty-five a game and nine boards, uh, one hundred nine defensive ratings, just indicating how much they're going to need him on the floor for the majority of this game. While you know Giannis and, and Brolo are playing together, um, there, there's really it, it, Thomas Bryant and AD might even see some time together tonight, uh, which is still fine as Thomas, you know, AD is going to be scoring. A, probably, hopefully a little bit more, um, you know, from the foul line and in uh, as opposed to like having his back to the basket because it's not really a great matchup with Brolo uh, forcing him out of the paint. So I, I think he's going to be doing a little bit more facing the basket, uh, leaving leaving an opportunity for Thomas Bryant to actually be in there uh, and, and help, um, you know, take Brolo the pressure off of A.D. by having Brolo guard him and vice versa.
1: Yeah, I think the numbers are pretty clear that A.D. is much more efficient and productive when he has a true center playing alongside him and he doesn't have to take on that role. But a couple things you said make my ears perk up Is like, yeah, this is going to be a good effort from AD normally 30 to 32 minutes. I think, yeah, he will be above 35 in this matchup. I think the Lakers are going to take it very seriously. And the calls, you know, that he's soft. He's really disproved that in his last eight playing extremely well uh, on both ends. He's minus minus one thirty to get at least two blocks in this game. He's, his projection is 11 and a half rebounds. He's going to be out there. You know, in a really physical game that we talk about in the game video is like strength meets strength down low. I don't see him backing down. I see him getting to the line pretty consistently as well if he's not scoring down low. uh, Because I just think this is going to be like a a really kind of black and blue game where both teams are are trying to assert themselves down low. Uh, The Nets and... Uh, and are hosting the Raptors here and the last time Pascal Siakam faced the Nets uh, 37 12 and 11 just a monster game he was on just an absolute tear pretty much a lock for all NBA before he had to sit two weeks and so I think we can get ahead of it here in terms of him getting his groove back he started to play well against the Pelicans 23 6 and 4 in 34 minutes but it was a blowout loss, so he did not finish that one. This one's a one-point spread. Pascal at twenty-two and a half points, uh, I think he gets over that for sure. I like combining with the assists uh, because he is posting a career high thirty-five percent assist rate. They're running him as a as like a point power forward. Uh, also, career high usage, twenty-nine percent, career high defensive rebounding rate. So he's just filling it up. Thirty-six and a half would be the pra. Durant, there's some there's an exhaustion factor here from what everything he's doing on offense. Uh, you know the Nets' mediocre 112 defensive rating in their last seven. Much different pace for Toronto when they're on the road. 99 possessions versus 94 at home. And Siakam's getting more numbers on the road because of that, 94, uh, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, despite lower overall efficiency on the road. So I think you like him to fill up those peripheral stats. Maybe you even want to go rebounds, assists. I mean, take whatever you want. I think he's going to flirt with a triple-double here again and have, get
0: you about 25 points. Yeah, man, for sure. I'm. I'm gonna take the peripherals with him too. I had no idea he was averaging eight assists a game on the road this season. I already was like so impressed with Pascal. I was like, can can you already be an all star and remain an all star, but like still win most improved player? Like, I, I hate that award anyway. So like, Grant, just give it to Pascal. Like, he's gone from, like, clearly, like, at least a tier below, at least a tier below guys like, you know, the the top tier guys in the league, right? The Giannis's and and the the Jokic's, etc. He's been probably two tiers below those guys. I would say he's moved up a tier into, like, right below them this season, uh, especially because of that playmaking ability. Those assists are wildly impressive. I I would take the PRA with him as well. I feel like you and I last season got scarred by Pascal, like, three different times taking his... PRA right around 35 and he would get or like 35 and a half and he would get 35 each time. So let's just let like, let that fade from our memory uh, and, and take some of the peripherals in this one as well as I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for that uh, against the Nets team that will probably have like Royce O'Neill guarding him for a lot of this time and he's just not big enough <laughs> to, to handle Pascal uh, in that situation. So um, let's finish things off here with Keldon Johnson under we brought him up in the uh, game video there against the Pellies 28 and a half boards and rebounds take that under at minus 118 there uh, on FanDuel. Keldon, I said I don't think that their their lack of success, the the Spurs, and the way that they're clearly tanking this season has affected him him too much. Um, But that's because I didn't look as closely as you did over the course of the last five or six games that he's been playing, um, where his numbers have dipped a bunch, especially his efficiencies. Over his last six, he's down to about 14.7 points a game on 27.5% from the field with an 82.4 individual offensive rating. Very, 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 very bad. Um, This includes a 5.1 rebound uh, affair in just 16 minutes against the Pellies last time that they played in November. Uh, Since that time, he has had 20 points a game and nine boards or so, um, but two of those were versus the really, really fast Lakers, uh, who also uh, were just not able to guard that position at the time with all the wing players that they have out. Uh, He had 19 points, seven boards, six assists, but shoot five of 22 from the field when they were in KC uh, since that time as well. So um, KC and the Lakers, two teams that you know, not quite NOLA, who we've talked about in the video. They're a juggernaut right now on defense and around the boards, especially when Zion's in there. Fourth, fewest uh, rebounds allowed to their opponent. Third, best uh, three-point percentage that they're limiting opponents to, and they're limiting uh, opponents to the seventh, fewest free throw attempts as well. All the ways that Kelvin Johnson would like to score in terms of his versatility from outside and then getting to the line, driving to the hoop. Um, they allow the third fewest points per game to power forwards, uh, and Zion is basically in there, assuming that if you're you're guarding him, you're going to get in foul trouble. Like there's no way to guard him without fouling. If if they make the mistake of leaving Kelvin Johnson on on Zion for too long, uh, he he won't be able to make it past the like 16, 17 minutes he played last game as well. Uh, so yeah, I, this is just it's just an awful matchup for him as well. He needs a much smaller front court uh, than the, what he's going to. Be facing tonight to be able to be successful.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, OKC, you said uh, there is no NBA team in Kansas City, but that's what I say. Casey? Yeah, <laughs> you said KC twice, but that's cool. The 28 and a half points and rebounds. I feel pretty good about him going under because he's just not boarding very consistently. He had 19 and seven against Uh, at Oklahoma City Uh, and and New Orleans is such a good rebounding team and they're giving up such few rebounds because usually you're just taking the ball out of the basket after Zion uh, puts you in the basket Uh, and I mean they're just they're playing so well on both ends of the floor that he couldn't stay on the floor in this last matchup there there could be some bounce back from him but I don't think that the Spurs have enough fight in them to really you know to expect that uh, I, I think a moderate
0: bounce back is fine, but they could get blown off the floor once again. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more this just spells like if, if our game theory is Keldon's going under, then I think part of that is because they're just going to get blown out and dude's not even going to play much like, yeah. from the halfway through the third quarter on. Right. Um, and, and I think that's also leading me to go, well, then why don't I just take like a really sick player performance double for the Pellies or take like, a, you know, an alternate over or alternate tol- um, spread there at like nine and a half or 10 for the Pellies. If you think they're going by double digits, because the game theory spells that for this one. And if you're the Pellies and you got CJ McCollum coming back, trying to work him in, I think this is a good opportunity to to blow this team out uh, and get and get in your groove, uh, continue on your groove as, as they've won a bunch of games uh, over their last five. So that is all the time we have for you and player props today. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We're coming back back to you guys next week each and every weekday this regular season so until we see you next happy betting